Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora inside of the Cafe Kubal Studios. Happy to be here with you where sports meets that thing called life here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. Cafe Kubal, of course, on 3501 James Street, 324 West Water Street, 401 South Salina Street in Syracuse, New York, as well as 343 Fayette Street in Manlius, New York, and on the corner of Route 11 and Taft Road at Sweetheart Corners in North Syracuse in their drive-through location. So, however you get connected, make sure you reach out to Cafe Kubal today. Let them know the Wake Up Call sent you, and always support local and support our community of Central and Upstate New York. We're always happy here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora around 10 a.m. Eastern Time every Friday to honor our top dog of the week. And our top dog of the week this week, proudly presented by Canine Camp Dog Daycare and Canine Campground Dog Boarding, both of East Syracuse, the place to bring your dog, in my opinion. Fantastic people, local company, really salt of the earth, led by Lorraine, who grew up in our community of Central and Upstate New York. And they are right there off of Bridge Street in East Syracuse, the daycare on 228 Old Bridge Street in East Syracuse and right around the corner 242 Johnson Street in East Syracuse you'll find the campground dog boarding fantastic people they protect and take care of our dogs so it's fitting that they bring us the top dog of the week every week and my top dog of the week this week after a conversation with coach Hicks just a couple weeks ago at Mother's Cupboard we had the opportunity to speak on Keenan Hale Keenan Hale Jr. joining the show here with me today I don't know if he knew this but he's not only here on the show as a guest live, but he's my top dog of the week because I know that what we stand for here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, which is where sports meets life, I know he's going to bring it today. So not only are we having Keenan on the show, but he is being honored as our spotlight guest top dog of the week. And with that being said, we bring him in. Keenan, how you doing today? Thanks, Dan. I uh, appreciate the, the honors here. It is an honor uh, to be on the show and to be with you this morning. Uh, I mean, to to hear that I've been honored with the top dog of the week is it means a lot to me. Um, and where sports meets life, uh, just to be able to talk about uh, life after sports, um, you know, it, it's a blessing to be able to share uh, what I've been up to. And uh, you know, a lot of my teammates, I, I really thank them for you know still being friends with me, and also my coaches for giving me the opportunity to play at Syracuse and to learn. Uh, from some of the greatest that are in the sport. Uh, I mean, they teach a lot of life lessons uh, that you can take away after. So I'm glad to be here with you. I'm glad to share. Well, I appreciate that very kind sentiment from you as we get started in our conversation here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. And I'm honored to have you. And, and I appreciate all those nice words, but I send them back to you times 10 because it's an honor for me to be able to speak with someone that, you know, is, is out there obviously going after a lot of different things in life and working very diligently to make things better. And and I would love to get into a lot of different pieces today, but I'm going to start with Syracuse and, and your time there and your experience there with the Orange and, and just what you took away from it. You know, as I was coming back from working at ESPN and Disney down in Orlando, Florida, I, you know, obviously came back here, started covering Syracuse on site on location and you were here during those times, and, and I definitely would love to, to get your thoughts on, on what you took away from your time at Syracuse, as well as tying it all back together as to not only what you took away from Syracuse, but why it was important for you to be a part of the Syracuse Football Club where you serve as vice president. 
Absolutely. I appreciate that. So one of the first things that I want to say, uh, Syracuse as an institution uh, is phenomenal in itself. But most importantly to me, uh, it is the people that make up uh, the institutions and organizations that really make uh, these places what they are. Uh, and I keep that in mind wherever I go, that without good people, great people, uh, these organizations and institutions wouldn't be what they are. And I say that to start out uh, about my experience at Syracuse. Uh, you know, the coaching staff, uh, it was top 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 dog i mean these guys really knew their stuff but not only did they know their stuff they also treated every player uh with respect and they wanted you to grow as an individual uh and that was in all aspects of our game is in all aspects of their coaching uh from the strength conditioning to our uh trainers to our equipment managers to uh the academic advisors that were there to really uplift the players and make sure that they were getting the education that they needed and the help that they needed, you know, if they were not able to, uh, you know, get something in class, being able to teach them on the side and, you know, make sure that players were being brought up the right way. Uh, and, you know, this in turn helps not only players, you know, get better in their field, which was in uh, football, obviously, but also within uh, life as an individual. Uh, it, it teaches you how to be a better person. That's what they really instill uh, in, in giving back. And so my role as the vice chairman of the vice president of the Syracuse Football Club, that is what I'm all about, is giving back not only to the Syracuse Football Club, uh, but also the current players that are there, the institution, and the inner, inner city, the community of Syracuse. Um, the programming that we do, uh, and we actually had $5,000 that we raised uh, over the past year uh, sent to the Northside Learning Center, uh, where they assist refugees and helping with education and uh, getting supplies needed to teach those kids, uh, refugees that are uh, looking to learn. So things like that, you know, things that I saw while I was at Syracuse, ways that we can build uh, the city up around it. It doesn't do any good to have a phenomenal top university, uh, but have a suffering and struggling community uh, right outside the gates. So the work that we do uh, always has a component of giving back into the community. And all of those things were really taught, uh, you know, by the coaching staff. You know, they, they were diligent in making sure that all of the players had community service. Whether you were going to the jail to speak to uh, some young men about life choices, whether you were going to uh, a school to read to the young kids uh, or whether you were going to an, another offsite to, you know, learn and implement certain strategies that are going to help outside businesses and small businesses within the community. Those things were extremely important. Uh, and I was, I was just glad to be able to take part uh, in such a, you know, a, a great organization and, you know, preparing men uh, to succeed in life outside of football, you know. Yeah, coming here from Keenan Hale this morning, Keenan Hale Jr., Syracuse Orange wide receiver alum and vice president for the Syracuse Football Club. You said a lot in that, and and none of it had to do with wins and losses. And 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 I think that that is is the sign of of a good coaching staff, right? Good leadership that you said, hey, this is what we're doing, this is what we were learning, this is what we were about, 
you talk about going and, and, and speaking at a local jail and, and talking with people about life choices and whatnot. What can you say about your coaching staff at Syracuse and what they brought out of you as as a human being, not just a football player, and how you use that today? Yeah, uh, so the, the coaches, uh, specifically, I'll, I'll talk about you know, my position coach uh, to start, Rob Moore, uh, who's currently the wide receiver coach for the Tennessee Titans. Uh, he was the same guy who trained Amari Cooper when he was in Oakland uh, and, you know, a couple of other of your, you know, highest performing wide receivers that are in the league right now. Uh, you know, learning from him, he, he wasn't someone that was going to yell at you uh, all the time, but you knew when he was disappointed. He was disappointed with me on numerous occasions because I was spending too much time in, in the classroom and not enough in the playbook. Uh, and so we would have one-on-one conversations and he would let me know what it is that I needed to do. Uh, and just the way that he coached, it was it was more of a mentorship uh, and getting you to understand, you know, the way that you, you move, the way that you think about, you know, the game and how to translate that into your life. Uh, you know, you need to be diligent, not only in the classroom, but you also need to be diligent on the football field. You need to learn these concepts, the same kind of concepts that you're going to learn in your chemistry class. I want you to learn defensive schemes. I want you to learn these techniques that are going to help you become a better wide receiver. And I'm going to, you know, instill that over and over and over again to make sure that you have that. And, you know, he was just really good at getting the best out of each individual receiver in the room. Uh, And specifically, you know, I I can only talk about myself and what he got out of me. By year two, uh, I was grateful to play behind a few All-Americans, Alex Lemon. uh, You talk about uh, one of the smoothest wide receivers uh, and one of the best performing wide receivers in Syracuse history, uh, as well as Marcus Sales. Uh, and yeah, so getting to learn not only from you know Coach Moore, but also seeing how he helped those guys take it to another level, uh, and then watching them in turn when he wasn't around be able to share all the things they knew with me. Uh, and so that was one of the things that Coach Moore was really good about. I mean, I even remember going to the weight room, and I would see him in there. It, it Coach Moore. He, he looks like he can still play the game, uh, honestly. <laughs> He's about 6'5", uh, solid 230, 240. I mean, and this guy's just rock solid. Uh, but he was doing a lot of, you know, new you know, stretches I've never seen before. A lot of core, uh, like, coach, uh, can you just show me, all, you know, everything that you're doing here? He's like... Well, yeah, uh, it was it was ten different core exercises. Like, you know, if you do this ten reps to each one of these, then I'm telling you, you you'll get right. So, ever since then, I mean, I've I've literally you know implemented that with family members and other friends. They're like, kick that kicked my butt. Uh, but, you know, it's it's small things like that. Being willing to sit there uh, and learn from somebody and to have him, you know, want to share all of his knowledge uh, in anything with somebody who's willing to learn and willing to grow. Uh, we would talk about things outside of football, uh, you know, just real world, real life situations that, that happen to people. Uh, and that meant a lot uh, to have somebody who cared not just about you as a player, but uh, you as a person. And, and another thing that happened, you know, I posted one time as, as a freshman, 
uh, you know, I'm finished with my, you know, classes for the day and, you know, I finished all my work. And this is 11 o'clock at night. I'm ready to hang out. Who wants to hang out? I post this on my Facebook. Coach Moore, next day, calls me off and says, hey, man, uh, we, we have this post, man. What, what's going on? Like, what? nah, you can't be posting stuff like this. So, you know, things like that, it really made me think, okay, there are people out there that are watching me uh, and that are counting on me not only to be accountable to the team, but to, to make sure that, one, I am focused. And I can't be focused if I'm over here trying to broadcast to the world, you know, hey, we should hang out, do this, that, and the other. It just shows that, hey, I'm not doing the extra work, you know, spending in that time where I could be to focus on my goals and, you know, to help the team out. And so that was a, another lesson that I, that I learned from him. And it's, it's, it's sometimes it's the smallest things, uh, small things that really make a big difference. Uh, and, you know, I'm grateful to have, you know, coaching staff that really was all about that. And, and, and you mentioned Coach Hicks. Uh, and I think strength and conditioning coaches do not get enough credit for the work that they do. Um, and these guys are around the team more than your position coaches, more than your head coach and whatnot. So they have you year in and year out through the summertime when most guys don't want to be there. Uh, and so they know the players inside and out. They know who's working hard. They know who really wants to make a difference and make an impact. And they see those guys, you know, train as hard as they can. And they make sure, you know, not only are they training, but he had a funny side to him, you know, a, a, a real down to earth, you know, he's going to give you, give it to you straight. But at the same time, you know, it's fun. You know, he makes you enjoy. You can do 30 plus 110s uh, and, and still, <laughs> you know, the way that he would just operate, it was like, okay, you know, Coach Hicks, I, I, I may hate what the work we're doing, but you're making it so much better, so much easier to get through all of those things. And, yeah. you know, taking that into real life, when you have a job that, you know, it, it may be hard work, but it's the mindset that you go in with it and having people that are going to have that kind of energy uh, and come there every single day wanting to make sure that regardless of how hard it's going to be, once you get through it, you're going to be happier. And once you get through these things, while you're going through it, I'm going to make sure you have fun doing it, you know? So I appreciate Coach Hicks uh, more than he knows, and I, and I always want to give credit to him. And also credit to my, uh, my strength and conditioning coach that I um, got to learn from in high school. Coach Hicks always admired um, the way that my, my technique uh, in lifting, a lot, a lot of that goes back to my strength and conditioning coach, Coach Van Vliet, uh, who's the strength and conditioning coach for Innsworth High School in, in, in Tennessee and Nashville. Um, he really uh, sat down with me and made sure that, you know, I, I had top-notch technique before I could lift heavy weights. And therefore, I was able to come to Syracuse and outlift yeah. a lot of guys that were a lot bigger, a lot stronger than me. Yeah. Um, but it came down to proper technique and being able to use that form across the board uh, to, you know, get a better version of me each and every day. That coming to us from Keenan Hale Jr., very much appreciate all of that and those words on Rob Moore. You know, I haven't seen Rob in a minute, so great to hear about Rob Moore. Obviously, a fantastic Syracuse wide receiver and came back here and worked on the staff. I got to know him a little bit when he was back here working as, as a member of the staff. So big shout-out to Rob Moore. Missed talking to Rob. Would love to do that soon. And, and, and definitely to Coach Hicks, who I get to sit with a lot 
a lot of great stuff coming from Coach Hicks. So that's all coming from Keenan Hale Jr. Paying, it, paying you know, paying it back to the the gentleman that helped him to get to where he is today, and and to speak on where you are today. Life after football. Not everybody can you know say that that life after football. I mean, people get nervous, right? What do I do after football? That transition and speaking with some guys about it recently, and Aaron Hackett, and talking about you know how difficult it is to look at life after football and what comes next and some football players right or or athletes in general you know they just kind of think hey i'm going to play for the rest of my life and that's how it's going to be and 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 that's you know that that's it you know they don't look beyond football because they love that now you currently serve as principal consultant at the lobbying firm Beatty and associates in washington dc you're also the corporate advisor for harkness uh, ai which is a tech startup business based out of los angeles so you are living in a very unique world and you're living in our nation's capital. So I'd love to let you share with everybody and just kind of open up the doors to what life is like in D.C., what you're doing and why, more than anything, why you're doing it. Absolutely. Uh, living in D.C. is, let <laughs> me just say, it's quite an experience. I, I've been in D.C. now uh, since November of 2015. Uh, and I worked on Capitol Hill uh, for Congressman Al Green from 2015 all the way up through 2019 uh, as his executive assistant and legislative assistant, um, navigating legislation uh, from scratch all the way through Rules Committee and passage on the House floor. Um, all of that said, you asked why, and that's a very uh, it's a very important question because uh, when I think about what it is that I want to do in life and what other people want to do in life, uh, a lot of times we really don't know. Uh, and so I, I, I always reflect back to my first experience um, once I left Syracuse. Uh, I was back home in Georgia, and a mayoral candidate uh, out of Douglasville, Georgia, had you know come up to my family while we were at dinner, introduced herself, and you know, she was like, yeah, my dad said he, she's going to be the next mayor. And, and I, you know, I went home that night, and I you know, did some research on her. Uh, I looked her up and, you know, all of her you know, previous campaigns she had lost. Um, you know, so she's going up against an incumbent that she had faced before four years prior, uh, didn't win. So I, I looked into all of those things and I, I put together a 40 plus page uh, document on, you know, that prior campaign and also ways that I thought she could improve uh, going forward. Uh, and that was from you know, her strategy to her communications to the events that she did within the community. Uh, and, and so I asked my mentor, I said, hey, uh, I would love for you to you know, just give me a, a conversation with her so I could share you know, some of these things. I would love to work on a campaign. And you know, she did that. And uh, I ended up meeting with Rochelle, the candidate, and we had a lunch and she looked at two pages of the document and said, oh my gosh, uh, I want to hire you as my chief of staff. Uh, so that, that became, you know, the first step into, you know, the career that I'm, I'm in now in this political sphere. Um, and while I was her chief of staff, was able to uh, be in the community, go to the city council meetings, listen to the constituents, the issues that they were facing. Uh, the problems that they had and really, you know, come up with solutions to help all these people out. Uh, and that's a city of over 50,000. So, you know, it's, it's a large group of people that have, you know, a lot of issues. And to be able to say I was able to 
uh, go in there and you know solve a lot of problems for them you know with the help of different stakeholders within the community and really make a difference from you know getting the new police chief uh, in office and the policies he was going to implement within the community to other leaders on the city council uh, and other commissioners uh, getting them on board with the different policies and programs that we were going to implement and really getting the people to see that we cared and that we were going to show up um, a lot of life is, you know, not always, you know, what you know, but can you show up? Uh, and, and a lot of that comes back to football. I mean, you know, if you can't show up to practice, you can't show up to a game. If you can't show up to your meetings, how can they expect you to, you know, show up on Sunday, show up on Saturday? Um, and so I carry all of those things with me. And, and the reason why, you know, I started to do what I do now is because, I was able to really help a lot of people and you know it made a difference in their lives uh and so the more people that i could make a difference in their lives uh when it comes to policy when it comes to community service when it comes to activism and you know making a real difference uh you know those are the reasons why i am in the position i'm in that's why i'm here in dc to scale that um i, I wanted to reach more people i wanted to influence uh, larger groups and make sure that you know most people who weren't getting representation were going to have somebody there that was going to fight on their behalf if they couldn't be there. Not everybody can be here in D.C. and if you're not here, sometimes it's like being at the dinner table. If you're not at the table, you're on the menu. You don't know the discussions that are happening, so I'm in the room. I'm making sure that the voices that are outside in other communities across the world and globally, uh, communities that you know I'm connected to, I'm making sure that Nothing's getting by me so that they can realize what they need to be doing to make their communities better, to make their businesses run better, to make their companies operate on a more efficient scale, to make sure that we're having different changes that are you know, affecting the community of the United States as a whole in a, in a more positive direction. And so that's why I love being here in D.C. That's why I love the work that I've been able to do, the people that I've been able to connect with. Uh, and, and those are the reasons why I continue um, you know, to, to be here. I mean, another thing is mentoring, and that is a big component of football. You, you have your coaches throughout the season, but during the summertime, when it's just you, the strength and conditioning coaches, and your former teammates, you know, you, you have to rely on those seniors that are, you know, above you to, you know, really bring you along. You know, those guys that have real leadership and that want to help the rest of the core, because if one man goes down, somebody's got to be able to step up. And if you haven't, you know, learned all the techniques, if you don't have a mentor that's able to, you know, teach you things that you don't know, then you're going to be, you know, behind the eight ball when your time has come. And so when it comes to politics and, you know, being in the government affairs space, uh, mentoring uh, junior staff, you know, I, I served as the Congressional Black Associates membership chair, which was on the executive board on Capitol Hill. It's the premier black staff organization for all black staffers. Uh, and, you know, I was adamant about making sure all junior staff, you know, had access to senior staff and either on committees or within personal offices and making sure that when they were growing, learning the skills that they needed to become successful once they maneuvered and navigated, uh, you know, that landscape of becoming a legislative director, becoming a chief of staff, becoming a staff director on a committee, becoming, uh, you know, a, a leader in those communities. Because 
at the end of the day, these are the people that are implementing the policies that are going to affect the entire country. And you want to have the best and the brightest in those. But they need real leadership. They need real people that are able to inspire them and get them to learn things that they don't always know uh, and bring them up the right way. So I, I was, um, you know, that, that's been a joy. I was able to do that for two years from 2016 to 2018 and uh, continue to do that. I, I still get asked to uh, have conversations with, you know, staff and you know, connect them and, you know, give them some advice on, you know, certain things. And, you know, it, it's a pleasure to me. I, I you don't have to pay me to do this type of stuff because I wasn't getting paid to, to help, you know, when I was mentoring other receivers. You know, I wasn't getting paid, neither were my teammates. They, you did it because you wanted the team to be better. You want your community to be better. You want your organization, wherever you are, you want that to be better. And, you know, that's what we have to focus on. Yeah, you know, and, and you talking about, you know, all of this, Keenan Hale Jr., our top dog of the week, presented by Canine Camp Dog Daycare and Canine Campground Dog Boarding. Everything that, that you're doing, I think it's important for people to understand this because there are some negative connotations that come with this. And, you know, the media runs with what they want to run with. And I think it's funny because then somebody will go, well, Dan, aren't you the media? And I always tell people, by my badge, yes. By the way I treat people, absolutely not. So the media, when they talk about lobbying, don't always painted in the best of light and so with you working in washington dc and living in this world i would love for you to describe lobbying from your point of view and the purpose for lobbying absolutely uh so as a, as a lobbyist uh working on the hill you have to meet with outside stakeholders different organizations so you know you have a media company dan and so your company uh, is affected by the policies within, you know, the communication space. Uh, and therefore, if you do not have somebody that can go uh, speak with these staff about, you know, the different rules and regulations that are affecting your line of work that might put you out of business or, you know, something like that, then you're going to be out of luck. And so that's that's what I do. I go in, I'm educating the staff on your business and, and the things that you're doing, your organization, um, the, the good programs that you're trying to implement and, and make sure that you have funding for it to make sure you're not getting screwed over. That's what I do. Um, educating staff because is, these are small offices uh, and they can't focus on everything. So you have to go in and get them to understand and you know, realize what it is that they don't know about your company and what they don't know about media. Uh, they can only know so much. And if they're only listening to the top uh, corporations about their needs and their wants, uh, then, then you're out of luck. You know, if you're not in the line with, you know, say what CNN wants, uh, you know, how do you have your voice heard? How do you have, you know, your small businesses needs met if you don't have an advocate in there to fight on your behalf and to make sure that you're getting the best insight and knowledge that's coming out of Congress, uh, the decisions that are being made, uh, you know, sharing that information with you so that you can make better decisions for your business and for your personal life within the community. That's what I do, um, and it's a joy to be able to help people in that regard, you know, because companies are just companies. And I go back to what I, what I said earlier, you know, there are great institutions and, and great organizations, but what runs these organizations and institutions at the end of the day, it's about people. 
and you have to be people focused, people centered, uh, in order to really make a difference. And when you focus on people, you'll find the change that you can make, the difference that you can make is much greater. So I, I am all about helping people. When I go in and I have clients that I bring in to meet with them, it's about real people living real situations in real life, not a hypothetical, oh, this company needs this. It's not about the company. It's about the people who work there. Uh, you know, too often you'll, you'll just have senior executives uh, and, you know, it's what the senior executives think, you know, for best, best for the company. But not realizing that trickles down on every employee. Uh, and those people might not enjoy their job based on those decisions. They might be the ones getting cut out from you know, getting a pay raise or you know, getting uh, different opportunities to grow in their careers by doing outside educational certifications or, or things of that nature that are really going to help uh, you know, put them in a better position to serve their family and to provide for their family. So when you, when you look at it from that standpoint, you always got to keep in mind the whole organization and the people that make up those organizations and institutes. You know, in in this world that you're living in and living in Washington, D.C. and being in our nation's capital and working to make a difference, what is the plan? What is the hope? What is the desire for you? What is on this road that you're traveling on? You know, right before you came on, we have a segment called LEAD, which is uh, which is the acronym for Learn, Evolve, Ad-Lib, and Deliver. And we've been carrying different pieces. Today it was about road signs and about the road that you're on, the signs that you see. Do you listen to them? Do you abide by them? So what is on this road that you're traveling on? What is your hope? What is your desire? What does the future of Keenan Hale Jr. look like? I mean, it's a great question, and it's a question that I actually think about a lot. Um, you know, every road uh, is, you know, when you look down it, you can only see so far. Uh, if, unless you're looking from outer space, uh, your road is going to look a lot more narrow than, you know, that, that view that you'll have if you were in a spaceship uh, in space. And so when I think about my life, I... I I may only be able to see so far down that road, but I've got to be able to pivot. If things are not going well, if I if I notice that you know my career goals and my objectives uh, are not in line with the outside uh, you know world, basically, if if what the business model of today is changes tomorrow, I've got to be able to understand. Okay, I can't continue operating on that same. Uh, idea that what I was doing yesterday is going to work for today. Uh, it, it's just not, life is not like that. You know? So when different policies are implemented, you have to alter how you are and, and the way that you move. And that's how I look at life. Uh, you know, I, I, I look at life from the perspective of, you know, what am I doing today to help tomorrow? And what are the changes that are coming tomorrow that are going to be helpful down the road? 10 years from now, five years from now. But during that time period, being reflective of, you know, what is that, what it is that's going on uh, and understanding, have the times changed? Uh, is there something that I need to improve upon and make a difference and verge left or converge right? You know, do I need to, you know, take a step back and, you know, sit for a second after that stop sign and say, okay, uh, this, this road is, is not, it's looking a little shaky. 
Uh, there's some cracks up ahead. Uh, it might be a hole. Uh, I, I don't know, but let me assess the situation and determine uh, whether or not I should, you know, change some things up in life or continue down the same path. So that's that's really it. it sounds very general speaking, but you know, you've got to be a generalist in, in order to understand some specificity sometimes. <laughs> you know. <laughs> it, it, <laughs> You know, and I, and I that I love. You you gotta be a, you gotta be you gotta be general in order to understand some specificities. I, I I love that that you know at the grassroots everything you have to get the basics to go on the big topics. And and I agree with that. You know, I mean, I, I I've talked to people before. They have no common sense. And without common sense, where do you go? I remember and Keenan, go with me on this for a second. It's okay. It was my ex girlfriend, not yours, so it's fine. But I. I dated somebody before, and and she said to me, she goes, you know, not everybody has the same common sense. And I and I sat here and I said, well, the definition of common sense is that it's common. So if people didn't have, if if other pe- if everybody had a different common sense, then it would be called uncommon sense, and it wouldn't make any sense to anything because you would interpret it the way you want to interpret it. So common sense to me is common sense, right? You're not supposed to stick your foot into, you know, the, you're not supposed to like put your foot into a rattlesnake cage, right? You know, there's certain things that are common sense. You're not supposed to drive off cliffs because your car will crash, you know? So there's things I think people should know, but I found it really interesting that uncommon sense was something that came up when I was speaking with her. So in your life, in your travels, in your time, and in, and in going toward your dreams... How many times have you shaved? I mean, I'm wearing a shirt today in the studio that says, are you human? How many times in, in, in your life have you had a conversation with somebody going, how did you put your pants on and get here today? Because I feel like I have that a lot. Have you have you had conversations with people where you take a step back and say, I just don't understand? Because in this country today, I feel like you talk to some people and you're like, how are we going to work together? if people like you are here only working for yourself. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, and I go back. So one of the things that we did in, in football at Syracuse, uh, the, first, the first thing we did, it was called first things first, okay. you know, uh, FTF that uh, beginning of every practice, it was FTF first things first. So that is, you know, learning the basics, ball tucking, uh, you know, just the simple things you can't, you know, accomplish the, the major task. You can't get in and start running plays without, you know, learning the basics. And, and that's a part of life. You need to learn the basics. And, you know, what you were talking about with common sense, you know, common sense is only common to the culture that you're in. Uh, you know, people that come from different communities, yeah, what's common to them is, is not so common. Uh, so me being from the South, What's common to us is not so common to folks in New York. It's not as common to folks out in California. Uh, just the way that people operate. So you have to keep that in mind uh, and be able to say, okay, what is, where am I coming from in regards to the relation of the people that I'm surrounded by? Yeah. Um, and when you move to a different environment, you know, people behave differently. If you go to another country, there are practices that are going to be different than how they are in the U.S. And people are going to look at you funny if you don't want to, you know, first of all, even take an interest in learning 
about those practices that they're, you know, working on. I mean, like, if you, you have no interest in, no desire to even, you know, want to learn why they do what they do and, and implement that to make their lives a little bit easier. I mean, you can't do business with somebody. Nobody's willing to do business with you if you don't even care about them. Because if you don't care about them, how can they trust that you're going to care about, you know, the bottom line and, you know, the business that y'all end up, you know, collaborating on? They can't. They don't trust. You got to have trust. And trust can be established by being willing to understand people where they are, where they come from, and, you know, how you can work together and make things better. Uh, coming from Keenan Hale Jr. Keenan, a final note here for this time that we'll be talking. I would love to reflect on Keenan Hale Sr. as well as Vicky, dad and mom, and get your thoughts on on what they've done for you in today's, you know, as, as you stand here today as a grown man out in society, I would love to reflect back on your parents and some things that they've taught you and done that really stick out that you want to thank them for this morning. Yeah, uh, where do I start? Uh, for the gift of life to begin with, uh, it, it's a blessing to, to be here. Um, but my parents... Um, and uh, I don't even know where I should even go with this because they've just given me so much advice on the videos. But the one thing that uh, my, my parents really you know, harp upon all the time, uh, and my dad especially, my dad had five Ps. Uh, proper preparation prevents poor performance. Um, you know, that, that was one thing that's uh, always stuck with me. A cream always rises to the top. No matter what you go through in life, uh, you're going to face obstacles. You're going to face challenges. Uh, and, and one example that, that my dad you know, gave me when I was growing up was the time when he was in the Marine Corps out in Camp Pendleton. And um, he was uh, being told by you know, senior officers, hey, man, you, you have great leadership capabilities, uh, and we want to move you to the top. So they moved him to the front of the line, and he was leading all the troops and stuff. And then one day they took him out of that and put him all the way in the back. They took him out of his leadership. And then he was thinking like, wow, um, wow, this is messed up. Why would they screw me over like this after they, you know, just told me I, I'm a great leader, this, that, and the other. Why would they you know, just do this? And it was so frustrating for him, but he couldn't get over the fact that, man, uh, they really screwed me like this and, you know, how that affected his whole behavior and how he moved forward. Um, and it was a life lesson for him. You know, it, it really showed him, like, hey, regardless of, you know, what happens, you've got to be able to respond accordingly and move forward. If you get moved out of leadership, can you still help that organization? Our, our, and, and the qualities of great leader are, are those that can, you know, be taken out and still not be so saddened by not being, quote, the leader uh, that, they lose hope in the organization. They lose faith in really making those around them better. You got to learn to lead from the back. You got to learn to lead from the middle, the same as you were leading from the front. Uh, and that really stuck with me. And you know, it's how I uh, operate. And today, so I, I'm, I'm very grateful for you know him sharing that. And to talk about my mom, uh, she's one of the the hardest working women I know, uh, hardest working people. As a matter of fact, I mean. Uh, she is the uh, now the CEO for a center for teenage abused women, uh, and I grew up, you know, around that environment. She's a social worker by nature, and so her compassion 
uh, and, you know, way that she is able to nurture, uh, you know, folks that have gone through struggles that many of us can't even imagine. Um, it, it was a blessing just to be, you know, in that space and to have her around uh, and to watch her do her thing. I mean, I've learned so much by just sitting and watching uh, sometimes as opposed to, you know, being instructed. Uh, and that has in turn, you know, put me in a place where I'm today to where I will call my parents and I, I can lean on them for advice and whatnot. But, you know, I, I've got to be able to make my own decisions and they're not making decisions for me. They're giving me the best advice with the best insight and experiences that they have. And I'm using all of those, you know, to you know be a better informed uh, and make wiser decisions, you know, in every aspect of life, whether it's business or personal. Uh, and, you know, that, those things uh, I'm really appreciative of and uh, you know, I'm, I'm grateful because uh, not everybody has, you know, you know parents that, you know, when you think about it, not everybody's parents, you know, are, are at the top level. My parents clearly weren't when I was growing up, but they never uh, shied away from leading. They, they never shied away from being able to implement uh, different strategies and policies in whatever organization they were a part of. They always felt the need uh, to give back and to help others, uh, to be active in the community, to be active uh, and, and to want to better themselves and those around them. Uh, and you know, I'm grateful for that. They, don't, they didn't know everything, but if they didn't know something, they were going to find out somebody who did. Uh, and, you know, we've got to be comfortable with, you know, saying, hey, I, I don't know this. Or, you know, I, I don't know how to accomplish, you know, what's put in front of me. But let me reach out to, you know, this person in this space that, that does have more expertise, that does have more knowledge and be willing to learn from them and, and make those connections. Um, you know, it goes a long way. Keenan Hale Jr. speaking about mom and dad and how when you don't know, it's OK to say you don't know and then go find the answer or find somebody who does. Keenan represented as our top dog of the week, proudly presented by Canine Camp Dog Daycare and Canine Camp ground dog boarding i appreciate so very much I, I know there's other things that i wanted to get into and other things i want to talk about but that's why there's other chapters in the book for another show so keenan i appreciate it i thank you i feel like we barely even touched the scratching of the surface of what we could talk about but for your positivity for your informative you know conversation about life after football and for where you're going, where you're heading, and why you're doing it, as well as an ode back to your family and a thanks to your parents for giving you the gift of life. I do want to thank you very much, so, for embodying what the Top Dog of the Week means, and I'm very happy to have you on the show, and I would look forward to having you back on very soon. All right. Thanks again, Dan, and uh, I'm glad to be Top Dog of the Week. Shout out to all of my, my teammates, and uh, actually about to do a meeting with uh, my, my former roommate, Donnie Simmons, so shout out to him uh, and, and everybody that's uh, been an inspiration to me. And again, thank you, Dan, uh, for this opportunity. I look forward to speaking with you and uh, the community again as a whole. Go Syracuse, go Orange. Awesome, man. And let, let Donnie know I said hello, please. I will do. Will do. <laughs> all right. Take care.